high credibility within the creation ministries industry and within a lot of Christian circles as well. The, the Creation Ministries International uh, Ministry is just a wonderful outreach that just explains the, the why behind the what of our, our, our faith almost. It helps us to understand so much about the Bible in a very clear, very easy uh, to follow way. And Peter has a very relaxed style, a very easy manner about him as he uh, speaks about this. We had Peter back, uh, so Peter told me, back in 2007. So it's been a while since we've had Peter. But we're excited to have Peter. His wife Kathy couldn't be with us today, but we've also got part of their team. We've got David and Julie and Amy. Amy, thank you. No worries, cool bananas. So uh, there's a heap of resource out in the foyer, and we'd really encourage you to have a look at that material uh, uh, after the services. Well, I'm sure that there's stuff there for the grandkids, for your children, for yourself, for your parents, for your grandparents, and you know everyone, the whole family would be really great. But also don't forget, we, uh, after uh, Peter's um, talk this morning, we'll be taking up a love offering for Peter. But right now, let's welcome Peter as Peter leads us around uh, the Word of God. Amen? Let's Thank welcome you. Peter. Thank you all very much for the welcome. It is indeed a pleasure and a privilege to be here this morning. You know, in my time, I've made three life-changing discoveries. First one was discovering Jesus Christ as my Lord and Saviour. Absolutely life-changing. Second one was discovering the lady who is my wife. Absolutely life-changing. <laughs> and all the married men said, Amen. Amen. Third one was discovering braces. <laughs> Absolutely life-changing. Guys, I recommend them. I'm looking for converts. <laughs> Actually, in five weeks' time, I'm going to make another life-changing discovery. I'm going to be a grandpa for the first time. <laughs> so any ladies here with little ones, line up after the service. I need some practice. Got to hold the baby right, don't you? We're here to talk about creation. This lady, Ruth, asked over 200 scripture kids aged 11 to 14 for their top 10 questions about Christianity. These are kids who were raised in Christian homes. They go to church. Many of them went to Christian schools. These are the top four of the questions. The top, she asked for ten questions. These are the top four. How can I know that God exists? Good question. But why didn't those kids know the answer? How could a good God send people to hell? Good question. But why didn't kids raised in the church know the answer? How can I believe in a good God when there's so much suffering? Good question. But why didn't kids raised in Christian families know the answer? Could it be that the schools they go to, the families they come from and the churches they attend 
are not teaching them correctly. You know, as parents, we need to be scratching our children in the places they are itching. There are lots and lots of different areas we can teach our kids. But we need to identify the areas in which they are itching and scratch there. If we don't do that, we will lose them. Now, it's great to see young people in the church. Most of the churches we go to throughout the year have no young people, nobody under the age of 25. And that's terrible. It means that parents are not even evangelizing their own children. You know, the church is dying. But the church would grow if parents would only evangelize their children. It's so important that we do that. Fourth question. Doesn't evolution prove that God doesn't exist? You know, many, 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 many young people leave the church at about the age of 16 because it's at the age of 16 during their high school years that evolution is pushed very, very hard. And evolution destroys Christianity and our children leave the church. This really is the issue, the main issue that the church needs to tackle today. It's so important that we evolution-proof our kids. That's why this ministry exists. These three questions, this ministry answers directly. But question number two, you cannot give adequate answers to question number two unless you know the answers to the other three. So we address that one directly as well. It's so important that parents brainwash their children. So important. You know, indoctrination for Christians is not a dirty word. It's something parents must do for their children. For their children, not to their children. For their children. But if you have to brainwash your children, you have to use the right detergent. And the right detergent is the Word of God. And the evidence that backs up what the Word of God says. So important in our society today. We have a lot of materials out there in the foyer. I'll talk about those a little bit later on and we'll, you can have a look at those after the service. We have a website. Anybody here gone and had a look at our website? Do you know what the address is? If you don't have a pen and paper, you need to write it down. You know, very complicated. The address is creation.com. Brilliant, brilliant website. Thousands of articles on our website on a whole host of different subjects involved with this topic, creation and evolution, and why it's important. If you're talking to people 
and you get questions you can't answer, go to our website. Use the search engine on the website, search engine up here, put your keywords in there, find the information you're looking for, download that information to your computer, print it off on your printer and give it away to the people you're talking to free of charge. All the information on our website is free. We want this information to get out into the community and we need your help to do that. Come on board with this ministry and let's change our society. We can do it. Jesus changed the world with 12 men. A lot more men here today. We can change the world. We can. But like I said before, we have to use the right detergent. We have an info bites, an email newsletter that gets sent out periodically. You know, not all the time. We only send it out. We don't spam you at all. We only send it out when there's something important we think Christians need to know. The info bites contains information on events that are happening in your area. And each um, email also includes a couple of articles of interest as well. We're going to pass some boards around amongst you now so you can sign up for the info bites if you wish. Put your um, name and address, your email address on there. Don't copy this one. We ask for your postcode as well because then we can target information that's happening in your area. No good telling you all about meetings that are taking place in Greenland or somewhere like that. But using your postcode, we can target you and give you information on things that are happening in your area. Yep, Dave. <clears throat> so sign up for our email newsletter. Absolutely free. The Bible says that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Tell me, does all mean some or most? Means all, doesn't it? All scripture is inspired by God. All means all. How much of the scriptures can we disregard and how much do we have to obey? How much can we disregard? None. All Scripture is God-breathed. Let's understand that and let's live that. But in our society today, we live in a scientific, technological, sceptical society a society that refuses to believe anything unless they have evidence for it. Christians need to avail themselves of the evidence. We need to be able to show people evidence of inspiration. If people believe that the Bible is just a book written by men, why should they believe it? Why should they live it? Why not just read the local newspaper and live by that? That's written by men as well. You see, if we want people to believe and live what the Bible says, we have to be able to show them absolutely and positively 
that the Bible is the Word of God. We can do that. Did you know that the Hindus believe the earth is suspended on the back of an elephant? Is that the truth? You're not sure? <laughs> hey, we send men out into space, they look back at the earth, there's no elephant under the earth holding it up. It's a mistake. It's a scientific mistake, a demonstrable mistake in a book that is supposed to be a holy book. Because I cannot trust what the Hindu scriptures say about physical things, because they make mistakes in physical things, I will not trust what they say about spiritual things. I can totally reject Hinduism as the truth. It is not the truth. It is the words of men. It is not the words of God. God never makes mistakes. He never lies. We can trust what he says absolutely, totally, implicitly, without question. The Shinto religion, one of the Japanese religions, they believe the earth is suspended on the back of a catfish. Is that the truth? No, it isn't. How much regard should we give the Shinto religion? None. One mistake is enough to condemn a religion. Why? Because God never makes mistakes. He never makes mistakes. We can trust what he says. Now the Japanese believe that when the mazu thrashes, that's the name of the catfish, when the mazu thrashes around a bit, goes underwater, they have a tidal wave. That was the way many of them explained the tsunami that hit Japan a few years ago. That's not the truth though, is it? The ancient Greeks, they believed it was a strong man held the world up. What was his name? Atlas was his name. You know that book of maps you've got at home on the shelf? It's called an atlas. That's a carryover from the ancient Greek religions. Atlas holds the world up. Is that the truth? No. How much regard should we give the ancient Greek religions? None. This is simple, isn't it? One mistake is enough to kill them. Even the Muslims believe that the earth is suspended upon one horn of a bull. Every year, special time of the year, the bull changes the weight of the earth from one horn to the other horn for the following year. On this special day of the year, they all stand around the kitchen table. On the kitchen table, there's a saucer. On the saucer, there's a boiled egg. They stand around the kitchen table and they watch the boiled egg. When that boiled egg wobbles a little bit, that's when the transfer takes place. Huh? Is that the truth? You know, one guy at one of my meetings once said, Ah, oh, Peter, there's a lot of bull on the earth. I happen to agree with him. Yeah. As I said before, because I cannot trust other religions in areas I can test, neither will I trust them in areas I cannot test. If they make mistakes in physical things, 
they will also make mistakes in spiritual things. You cannot test prayer scientifically. You can't put it into a test tube and test and see whether it works or not. You can't test salvation in a test tube and see whether it works or not. Those things, those spiritual things, you can test personally. And when I test those things personally, I find that they are true as well. But we can trust what the Bible says because God wrote it. These aren't the only verses in the Bible. You know, every single religion in the world that has a cosmology associated with it got it wrong. Every single, a cosmology means some story about how the universe began. Every single religion that has a cosmology associated with it got it wrong. How many of them can we trust? None. Only one got it right. Which one was that? Christianity. In Job chapter 26 verse 7, it says, He, talking about God, hangs the earth upon nothing. We send men out into space, they look back at the earth. What holds the world up? Nothing. Job got it right. He got it right. How did he know that? How could he possibly know that? You know, right from a little boy, Job had the law of gravity to contend with. Every time Job bought a new picture for his house, he didn't just walk up to the wall and bung it up there and hope it stayed there. He knew that in order to hang anything anywhere, you have to hang it on something. He had to put a hook in the wall or a nail in the wall. He had to hang it on something. Your whole knowledge and experience of the real world tells you you don't hang things on nothing. You hang them on something. Go home tonight, get ready for bed. What do you hang your clothes on? I'm talking to the ladies, by the way. (laughs) Guys, I'm sorry, I know what you hang yours on. It's called the floor drobe, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I use the same one. But our whole knowledge and understanding of the real world tells us we don't hang things on nothing. We hang them on something. Job's whole knowledge and understanding of the real world told him you don't hang things on nothing, you hang them on something. But when he wrote this verse, he said, God hangs the earth on nothing. And he got it right. Job did not write that in his own knowledge and understanding. It was written in the knowledge and understanding of the one true God, the one who knows everything, the one who never lies and never makes mistakes. He told Job what to write. Job wrote it down and he got it right even though he didn't understand it. You know, it's like an office situation. A boss dictates a letter to a secretary. Secretary types it out or writes it out. But whose letter is it? Is it the boss's letter or is it the secretary's letter? Whose letter is it? It's the boss's letter, isn't it? 
It doesn't matter at all whose fingers it comes through. It matters whose mind it comes from. The Bible came from the mind of God through the fingers of men. But it's God's book. It's God's book. And God is the one who never lies and never makes mistakes. Many other verses in the Bible testify to that. From hydrology, geology, astronomy, meteorology, biology, physics, and from medicine as well. Every single scientific verse in the Bible is absolutely 100% scientifically accurate. There are no scientific mistakes in the Bible. None at all. Most of these things we've only discovered in the last 100 to 150 years. But they were written in the Bible thousands of years ago. How did the ancients know this stuff? How did they get it right? You know, one day, one of my meetings, a guy stood up at the back and he said, Ah, oh, Peter, they just guessed. No. I said to him, You go to an exam and you guess the answers. How many do you get right? Oh, not very many. All these verses in the Bible are 100% accurate. It's not the result of guessing. If it was the result of guessing, you would expect some of them to be right, but most of them to be wrong. Information, knowledge, does not pop into existence out of nowhere. It has to come from a source of intelligence. A source of intelligence told the men what to write. The only source of intelligence other than man is God. It had to come from the mind of God. As I said, we've only known this stuff for about the last 150 years. You know, we are the only generation in the history of this planet that understands these verses. Nobody else has ever understood them. Why did God waste space bung them in the Bible? Did he waste space? Couldn't he have told us something important? I think he did. God knew that one day his people would live in a scientific, technological, sceptical society. And so he gave us information in his word so we can prove to ourselves and to others that the Bible is inspired by him. These verses are direct from God to you. Do you think we should be using them? Absolutely. Absolutely vital in our society today. Absolutely vital. People are not going to believe the Bible unless they know it's the Word of God. I do not believe the Bible is the Word of God. I know 
the Bible is the Word of God. Big difference. And we need to be able to make that difference in the lives of people today if we want them to believe what the Bible says and live what the Bible says. So important that we do that. Avail ourselves of the information we have and use that. If God got all the science right, how come he got Genesis so wrong? Did he get Genesis wrong? No, of course he didn't get Genesis wrong. But in our society today, we need to know what Genesis really says. Now, there are just about as many interpretations of Genesis as there are churches. We need to know what Genesis really says. This man, James Barr, was the Oriel Professor of Interpretation of Holy Scripture at Oxford University. He was not a believer. He was not a Christian. He didn't believe the Bible was the truth. He didn't believe Jesus Christ was his Lord and Saviour. He was interested in the Hebrew language. What does the Hebrew actually say? What does the Hebrew actually mean? This is what he says. Probably so far as I know, there is no professor of Hebrew or Old Testament at any world-class university who does not believe that the writers of Genesis 1 to 11 intended to convey to their readers the ideas that creation took place in a series of six days which were the same as the days of 24 hours we now experience. You can believe whatever you like about the length of the days in Genesis. But don't pretend you get that understanding from the Bible. You don't. God said, six days, that's it. Anything else, any other interpretation at all comes from men. It does not come from God. Men make mistakes. God Never does. I choose to believe what God says. Regardless of what men say. He says the Genesis genealogies provide a chronology from the beginning up to the later stages in the biblical story. How old does the Bible say the earth and universe are? Well, from the creation to the flood, 1,656 years. Just to have to add up the genealogies in the book of Genesis. The age of the patriarchs when they had their first son, or the son mentioned. 1,656 years. Read through the rest of the Old Testament from the flood to Christ was about 2,000 years. And from Christ to us is about 2,000 years. No room in there for millions of years. 2,000 plus 2,000 plus 1,656, well, that's about 15 billion, isn't it? (laughs) No. Men make mistakes. Sometimes men make huge mistakes, like 15 billion years. God says something under 6,000 years. I choose to believe what God says. He's the one who never makes mistakes. Noah's flood was understood to be worldwide and extinguished all human and animal life except for those in the ark. Worldwide flood. 
Many, many churches around the world today say that Noah's flood was just a local flood. In the Bible, God says he will never send another flood like Noah's flood. How many local floods have there been over the years? How many times has God lied? He has never lied. How many worldwide floods have there been since Noah? None. God tells the truth. He never lies. The flood was worldwide. Let's look at some of the evidence. Evidence for creation. In each one of your body cells, you have 46 chromosomes. You get 23 from mum, 23 from dad. 46 chromosomes in each of your body cells altogether. You have about 37 billion body cells. That means you have about 37 billion copies of all of the genetic information required to make you. Isn't that interesting? You also have another 37 billion cells, single cells, bacteria, in your gut. You also have another 37 billion bacterial cells on the outside of your body, regardless of how often you wash. That's a lot of cells. But your body is made up of somewhere around 37 billion cells and you have 46 chromosomes in each one of those cells. You stretch out the um, DNA in the chromosomes. Chromosomes are packed full of DNA, just a long string of DNA. If you could stretch out the um, DNA in the chromosomes, in the 46 chromosomes in one of your cells, that DNA would be three metres long, further than I can stretch my arms. String together all the DNA in all the cells of your body, all 37 billion cells, that DNA would stretch from here to the sun and back five times. That is a lot of DNA and you carry it around every day. No wonder you're tired. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Isn't our God brilliant? Absolutely brilliant. If you had just a pinhead of DNA material, just a pinhead, not the whole pin, just the head of the pin, the information that you could pack into that pinhead of DNA would be a stack of encyclopedic books from here to the moon 500 times. That much information could be packed into just a pinhead of DNA material. Man, with all of his intelligence, does not even come close to that sort of information packing, not even close, was DNA produced by chance random processes of evolution? Not at all. It is absolutely proof positive of intelligent design. God, the one who knows everything, made DNA. No other 
understanding is possible. None. All of that information in the pinhead of a DNA, um, in DNA size of a pinhead, put onto DVDs, would require a stack of DVDs 1,600 kilometres high without the covers. For the techies amongst you, put that amount of information onto hard drives, computer hard drives, you would require one million four terabyte hard drives to hold that much information. Like I said, man does not even come close to achieving the information packing that God does in each one of us every day. No problem with that at all. Little boy says, Mr Darwin, we've just unlocked the genetic code. Mr. Darwin says, great, what does it tell us? The little boy says, it says that God is our creator. How much would I have loved Charles Darwin to understand that? Would have solved an enormous number of problems that we have in our society today. So many. Evidence for the flood. Here we've got some layers of rock. You see a person down the bottom here for scale. There are three different layers of rock. This bottom layer of rock was produced in an airfall deposit from the main explosion, that's the Mount St. Helens explosion, volcanic explosion, in 1980. An airfall deposit from the main explosion on the afternoon of the 18th of May, 1980. One afternoon to produce that layer of rock. Is that slow and gradual or rapid and catastrophic? Rapid and catastrophic. Evolution says that layers of rock we find in the Earth's surface are produced slowly and gradually over millions of years. Rubbish. We've seen it happen. Second layer, and there are thousands of individual, almost microscopic layers in this sequence. A pyroclastic flow deposit on the evening of June the 12th, 1980. Slow and gradual or rapid and catastrophic? Rapid and catastrophic. It doesn't take millions of years. That is a lie. It can happen rapidly. We've actually seen it happen rapidly. Top layer was a couple of years later, a mud flow deposit on the 19th of March. Slow and gradual or rapid and catastrophic? Rapid and catastrophic. This canyon was also produced by the explosion of Mount St. Helens. This canyon is called the Little Grand Canyon. It's called the Little Grand Canyon because it's one-fortieth the size of the Grand Canyon. This canyon was formed by a mud flow at Mount St. Helens in one day. Mud flowed over the top of the solid rock that now forms the sides of the canyon and carved out that canyon in one day. If this canyon is one-fortieth the size of the Grand Canyon, how long would it take to produce the Grand Canyon. Given the right conditions, 40 days. Not a problem. Not a problem. The Indians, the Hopi Indians that live along the sides of the canyon, they have stories of their ancestors seeing the canyon form. They say it was formed by water rushing through and carving out that canyon in a very short time, just a few weeks. No problem with that at all. 
This is the Grand Canyon. Tell me, how many evolutionists have seen something like the Grand Canyon form slowly and gradually over millions of years? How many have seen that? None. Do they believe it on the basis of the evidence? No. They believe it by faith. They've never seen it. They've never seen it. But we have seen things like this form rapidly and catastrophically. We've seen it happen. There is good visual scientific evidence for what the Bible says and nothing for what the evolutionists say. The Bible tells us that the flood was a year, just over a year on the earth. Moving water can do an enormous amount of damage in a short amount of time. How much damage could a worldwide flood lasting one year do on the earth? Enormous amount of damage. And we see that around us every day. Every time you walk outside, well, not so much here in the hills, I suppose, but the whole of Australia, the whole of Australia is proof positive of a worldwide flood. The landforms in Australia. In end of May, end of this month, we've got a Proclaiming Creation conference here in Adelaide. One of the speakers is Ron Neller, and he became, I just found out yesterday actually, he became a Christian through his studies in geomorphology. He's a geomorphologist. He, he's a guy who tries to explain how landforms got formed, how hills and plains and stuff like that were formed. And through his study of those things, he became a Christian because he realised that there had to be a worldwide flood to produce it, the things we see. He's speaking at the conference, end of May. Grab a pamphlet, come along to the Proclaiming Creation Conference. This is a horse fossil. What do you notice is unusual about this fossil? It's got fish around it. Did you realise that horses and fish live in the same place? Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Did these fossils, the horse and the fish... Did they live in the same place? Did they die in the same place? Or were they buried in the same place? The only thing we know for sure is they were buried in the same place. They may have died at the same time, but they were certainly buried in the same place. And to bury a horse and fish together took some sort of catastrophe. Isn't that right? This is proof positive of rapid burial. Creatures need to be buried rapidly in order to form fossils. How many kangaroos get killed on Australian roads every year? Millions, probably. How many of them form fossils? None. Absolutely none. After only a few weeks, the flesh is gone, picked to pieces by scavengers. 
decayed, rotted in the sun. After a couple of weeks, there's hardly anything left. In order to form fossils, and we find excellent, excellent, excellent fossils all over the world. It requires rapid burial. Rapid burial. And to have rapid burial worldwide scale, you need a worldwide flood. Excellent evidence of Noah's flood. What about the age of the earth? Anybody remember seeing Halley's Comet when it came through last time? Short period comets like Halley's Comet have a tail. That tail on the comet always sticks out away from the sun. So as the comet goes around the sun, the tail sticks out away from the sun. The tail is actually formed by the sun, by the high energy particles, the solar wind that is spat out of the sun, comes screaming across our solar system. It would destroy us on Earth, but we are protected by the Earth's ozone layer and by the Earth's magnetic field. The comet has no such protection. Those high-energy particles, high-energy radiation, strikes the head of the comet and knocks bits and pieces off the head of the comet. Those bits and pieces stream out away from the comet, away from the sun, in the direction of the solar wind, forms the tail. But every time the comet goes past the sun, it forms the tail and that's the comet losing material. Every time the comet goes past the sun, the comet gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and eventually it will disappear altogether. Scientists tell us that the absolute maximum age of a comet is 20,000 years. Evolutionists tell us the comets were produced at the Big Bang. 15 billion years ago. If they were produced 15 billion years ago and they can only last 20,000 years, how come they're still here? Well, they have an explanation for that. They say out beyond the orbit of Pluto, there is a cloud of comets. They call it the Oort cloud. As comets orbiting our sun break down and disappear, other comets from the Oort cloud get knocked into our solar system and start to orbit the sun. They replace those that are disappearing. Problem. Nobody has ever seen the Oort cloud. They say it's just beyond the reach of the most powerful telescopes we have here on Earth. That's not fair, is it? Aha! We have the Hubble telescope in space now. We can see a lot further. Now they tell us the Oort cloud has moved just beyond the reach of the Hubble telescope as well. (laughs) That's really not fair, is it? Just when we can see it, it moves. I think comets were produced at the time of creation. Creation was about 10,000, 6,000 to 10,000 years ago. And that's why we can still see comets. They can only last 20,000 years. We still have comets. means the universe is young. has to be young. From the size of the comets, scientists have worked out that the universe can only be a maximum of about 6,000 years old. Excellent evidence for what the Bible says. 
What about limestone caves? I come from Mount Gambier. I was born and raised in Mount Gambier. Lots of limestone caves down there. How long does it take limestone caves to form? From 1924 to 1988, this guy says, there was a visitor sign above the entrance to Carlsbad Caverns that said Carlsbad was at least 260 million years old. Incredible, right? Yeah. In 1988, the sign was changed to read 7 to 10 million years old. You see, as scientists study limestone caves and their formation, they realise they can form quicker than they thought, and so the age has to come down, right? Yeah. Then for a little while, the sign read it was 2 million years old. Now the sign is gone. It does not take a lot of time to form limestone caves. All it takes are the right conditions. What are the right conditions? Limestone caves are formed when there's a lot of water around that dissolves the limestone. How much water was there during the worldwide flood? Heaps of water. Caves can form very, very quickly. No problem with that at all. None at all. Any ladies here who like diamonds? No? Come on, don't be squeamish about it. Own up. Ladies, you can have your husband made into a diamond. (laughs) This company in the USA will take your husband's cremated ashes and make a diamond large enough to fit into a ring. Ladies, evolution tells us that diamonds take millions of years to form. This company makes perfect diamonds in two to four weeks. (laughs) Ladies, He may not have been a gem during life, (laughs) but he can be one after death. Yes. Some of us, some of us would produce larger diamonds than others. (laughs) Genesis is the foundation of the New Testament. If we lose the book of Genesis, we also lose automatically the New Testament. We cannot afford to lose the book of Genesis. All of those doctrines that we hold dear in Christianity have their origin in the book of Genesis. If you want to understand the meaning of anything, you have to understand its origin. If you lose the book of Genesis, you lose the meaning according to its origin and you lose the meaning altogether. We lose all of these doctrines if we lose the book of Genesis. The book of Genesis, chapters 1 to 11, are quoted many times in the New Testament. The coloured ones here are the words of Jesus himself. Jesus quoted from the first nine chapters of the book of Genesis. 
all of the New Testament writers quoted from the book of Genesis 1 to 11. Did the writers believe that Genesis was literal history? Yes. They wouldn't have quoted from it if they believed anything else. Did Jesus believe Genesis was literal history? Yes. If you believe in Jesus, you must also believe in what he believed. Genesis is the truth. Regardless of what men say, Genesis is the truth. Genesis chapter 2 says, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. Literal translation is dying, thou shalt die. God said to Adam, Adam, the instant that you eat from that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will begin to die. And every day you will die a little bit more and eventually you will be dead. It took Adam 930 years to die. But he began to die the instant that he sinned. Why? What happened? The instant that Adam sinned, Adam died spiritually. He was separated from God. Spiritual death is the punishment for sin. Physical death, which begins with spiritual death, physical death is a consequence of sin. But spiritual death is the punishment. Adam died twice. He died spiritually and eventually he died physically. On the cross, Jesus died twice. He died spiritually. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was separated from the Father. And as a result of becoming sin for us, he died physically. Jesus died twice. We are dead spiritually. Those who are not Christians are dead spiritually. But we have been reborn as Christians. Reborn spiritually. We still suffer the consequence of sin, physical death, but we do not suffer the punishment. We are alive eternally if we are Christians. By one man, sin entered into the world and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. We are born spiritually dead in Adam. Born separated from God. But by our own volition, we can be born again. Repent of our sins and live for the Lord. So the Bible says that it was Adam's actions that brought death. There was no death before Adam sinned. It was Adam's actions that produced death in the world. 
death came after man. Evolution says that death was here before man. Evolution says that death and the struggle for existence is the way we came about, is the way we got here, is the way all life got here. Death existed before man, if evolution is true. The Bible says death was here, came after man. Evolution says death was here before man. Both of those cannot be true. One must be true and one must be false. They cannot both be true. If evolution is true and death was here before man, then death is not the punishment for man's sin, is it? If death was here before man, then death is not the punishment for man's sin. If death is not the punishment, then Jesus' death is not the atonement. Wasn't Jesus supposed to take our punishment? If death is not the punishment, what did he do? His death would be a mockery and a travesty of justice, but it was not salvation. And we are all still in our sins. But if what the Bible says is the truth and death came after man, if death is the punishment for man's sin, then Jesus' death can certainly atone for man's sin. No problem with that at all. But only if Genesis is literally historically accurate in everything it says. If Genesis is not literally historically accurate, there is no salvation. You cannot believe logically and consistently in Jesus Christ and the salvation he provided and also believe in evolution. And that is the reason why so many of our young people leave the church. They realise it is logically inconsistent. At school they are indoctrinated to believe that evolution is the truth. If evolution is true, there's no such thing as Christianity. I used to be an atheist. I was taught evolution in first year high school. I came across evolution. I went up and I told my mum, mum, I'm not going to church anymore. Science has proven there's no God. I refuse to waste my time worshipping something that doesn't exist. It wasn't until I was 19 I came across the evidence for creation and I gave my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Preached my first sermon on creation science one week later. Text was Genesis 1.1. Never been able to get off it. Is there another book in the Bible? Oh, sometimes I wonder. Evolution destroys faith. This guy, Craig Tusk, was a student for Christ Chapman of Macquarie University. He said, when speaking to university students, creation is vital since the institution's philosophy of education is secular humanism or evolution. Students are bombarded with it in every lecture as the basic assumption. This constant brainwashing destroys the faith of many Christians each year. He said, our surveys indicate that 80% of first-year students believe in a God who is there. That's fabulous. 
80% of first-year university students here in Australia believe in a God who is there. But he said by their second year, only 15% believe in God. That is tragic. Why are the universities destroying the Christian faith of our young people? Exactly for the reason that I've just described. Indoctrinated in evolution, totally unprepared by their families, by their churches, by the schools they go to. They believe that evolution is true and lose their faith. We can counter that. Parents, we need to teach our children the truth, not only what the Bible says, but the evidence that backs up what the Bible says before they are taught the error. If we do that for our children, then when they are taught the error, they will recognise it as error and they'll not be swayed by it. So important, so important that we indoctrinate our children. So important. Matthew, a high school student, told us that he'd been reading creation stuff for years and it was a lot of fun. He went on to say, I've actually found that I'm acing biology, specifically evolution, because I seem to know more about it than my teachers. That's where our kids need to be. So important, so important. Jesus was a young earth creationist. Do you realise that? He was. Here we've got the evolution timeline from the Big Bang to the present day, about 15 billion years. At what point along that timeline did people appear on earth? Evolutionists tell us that if we could cram that 15 billion years into a period of one hour, people would have appeared on earth in the last second of that hour. Which end of the spectrum is that? Down that end, right? Way down there. You know what Jesus said? Jesus said, from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Who was he talking about? Adam and Eve. From the beginning of creation. Is this the beginning? No, that's the end. Here we've got the biblical timeline from creation to the present day, about 6,000 years. At what point along that timeline did people appear on earth? On the sixth day, way down here. Is that the beginning? Yes. Did Jesus tell the truth? Yes. Did Jesus believe evolution? No. Did he believe creation? Yes. Why? He was there. He did it. He's God. He never lies. He told us the truth. He told us what he did. We should believe him. Amen? Amen. We need to evolution-proof our kids. So important that we do that. So important. Now, I sometimes say, if you send your child 
to a public school for five hours a day, be prepared to spend five hours a day deprogramming them. That's what it requires. That's what it requires. Evolution is taught in every single subject at school. Every single subject. Maybe not evolution directly, but the implications of evolution are certainly taught in every subject. So important that parents understand that. The Bible says we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Has the church done that over the last 150 years? No. Instead of doing this, instead of doing what God expects us to do, the church has instead embraced the things the world says. Wrong way to go. Let's turn that around. Amen? Let's turn it around. Let's change our society. We have a magazine, Creation Magazine. How many people here already get the magazine? What do you think of it? Yell it out. Best advertising there is, satisfied customers. Creation Magazine comes out four times a year. Quarterly Magazine. If you want to get the magazine, this is a testimony from the magazine. I was converted when someone gave me a Creation Magazine. Then I subscribed for five of my relatives. Four of them have now come to the Lord. We got a, a letter from a guy. He said he was at the local rubbish dump dumping a load of rubbish and he found a creation magazine on the rubbish dump. He said he took it home, gave it to his dad and his dad became a Christian. <laughs> the Lord can use any circumstance at all to lead people to himself. No problem with that at all. If you want to get the magazine, we're going to pass some boards around amongst you now with this sheet of paper on it. Put your name and address on that. The magazine is $32 for a one-year subscription. That's four issues of the magazine. $85 for a three-year subscription to the magazine. That's 12 issues of the magazine over three years. And along with the one-year and the three-year subscriptions, you also get access to a digital copy of the magazine. So if you want to witness with the magazine, you have to give your physical copy away you can give the digital copy away. Email it to all of your mates and relatives. Let them read a digital copy. If you sign up for one year, we'll give you, and pay today, we'll give you a free copy of the magazine, back issue of the magazine. If you sign up for three years, we'll give you a free copy of the magazine, back issue of the magazine, and you can take your pick of the DVDs that we have in the rack there. I think what they are, $16, are they? DVDs, whatever they are. Take your pick. So tick there for three years, or one year if you wish. Over here as well, this bit gets ripped off. Don't rip it off right across here. Just this bit. Rip that off. Take to see David or Julie on the table out the, in the foyer there and they'll give you a free gift. No problem with that at all. The Answers book. Brilliant book. The answers to the 60 most asked questions in creation science. 
Where did Cain get his wife from? What happened to the dinosaurs? What about carbon-14? All those sorts of questions are answered in the answers book. Make no bones about this. Any primary school child, primary school child, who understands the answers to these questions and the answers are not difficult at all, not difficult at all. Any primary school child who understands the answers to these questions can take on any university professor in the world on this subject and win. No question about it. All of the evidence is on our side. All of it. The evolutionists have none. Let's train our children. Train our children. And let's see revival in Australia. Amen? Amen. The answers book is included in our intro pack. Also in the intro pack is Refuting Evolution a book about the scientific evidence for creation and against evolution, and also a DVD, Why It Matters, Why Creation is Important to the Christian Church Today. Refuting Evolution, by the way, was written by Jonathan Safety, Dr. Jonathan Safety. He is a chess expert. He used to be the New Zealand chess champion. I've actually seen Jonathan Safety play 12 people at chess, at once, blindfolded, and win every game. I've seen him do that twice. You know, the current world chess champion says he can play seven people at once, blindfolded. Jonathan does 12. Brilliant, brilliant man. And he's on our side. Stones and Bones, just a little book. A summary of the arguments for creation against evolution from biology and geology. And also includes a gospel presentation as well. Great little book to witness with. Give away to somebody. Get them interested in this whole subject and maybe then they'll look further and receive more information about that. We have freebies as well. Avail yourselves of the freebies that we have. Evolution's Achilles Heels, book and DVD. This is PhD scientists talking about the problems with evolution in their area of science. Excuse me, each of the um, scientists on the DVD also wrote a chapter in the book, Evolution's Achilles Heels. I bought the book. I started reading the book. I've been trained at university in biology and genetics. But things have changed so much. You know, I've been, you know, 150 years ago I was at uni. <laughs> things have changed in genetics so much. I got bogged down in the genetic section of the book. I got the DVD and I watched the DVD four times. Then I went back to the book and managed to get through the genetic section of the book. No problem at all. It's phenomenal. You know, scientists... PhD scientists, research scientists who are working in the area of human genetics are becoming Christians purely 
on the basis of their research. One of them now works for CMI. Amazing stuff. Lots of children's books out there. By the way, these are not really children's books. These are adults' books. Adults need to read them, parents need to read them and then go through them with the children and explain what's going on. But guys, if you don't want to carry home a children's book, something that looks like a children's book, we can supply a brown paper wrapper. <laughs> no problem at all. Flood fossils. All over the world we find fossils. The only way those fossils can be produced is by a worldwide flood. Excellent, excellent evidence to what the Bible says is the truth. We have a Core Issues DVD pack goes through all the areas of creation science against evolution for creation. Great pack of DVDs. Remember our website? What's the address? Creation.com The Bible says be ready always to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that is within you. Notice it does not say be ready to give a faith for the hope that is within you. It says be ready to give a reason. God expects his people to have reasons, to have evidence for the things that they believe. Christianity is not a faith religion. Christianity is an evidential religion. It's built upon events that actually took place, actually happened in history. Faith is absolutely required. But if that faith is not built upon a foundation of evidence, that faith is a weak faith. Christianity is built upon evidence. And we need to understand the evidence and build our faith on that evidence. Let's do that. Amen? Amen. Thank you all very much.